0: Welcome to The Jewelry District, a podcast by JCK Magazine and JCK Online. This podcast is sponsored by Jewelers Mutual. In 1913, a group of jewelers were told their livelihoods were uninsurable. They came together through those times, and in doing so, Jewelers Mutual was formed. Today, they're here to protect you through the next century. To help for the times ahead, they've taken extra measures to help your business. To learn more, visit JewelersMutual.com slash extra measures. Today, JCK's Rob Bates and Victoria Gomelski will be discussing this summer's retail landscape as some states ease their COVID-19 restrictions.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Jewelry District. This is Victoria Gamelski, Editor-in-Chief of JCK and jckonline.com. I'm calling in from my home office in Los Angeles. I'm with
2: Rob Bates, a News Director of JCK and JCK Online, calling from my home in exile in New Jersey.
1: Yeah, you've been in Jersey for a while now, right? Like a month or?
2: Geez, yeah. I'm usually in New York. but uh...
1: We all know what what that's about. This is, I should let everyone know, our first episode in months where we haven't had a guest. In late March, of course, when the pandemic was declared, we decided we were going to switch our format instead of just doing sort of a chat every other episode that we would have guests on addressing some of the more urgent needs around, you know, the PPP loans, around how to communicate with clients while everyone was on lockdown. Of course, now a lot of states have opened, if not every state, and a lot of retailers are back in stores. And we're actually hearing some more positive things around business, at least more positive than we anticipated. And so we thought it was time to just do sort of a check-in on the state of jewelry retail this summer. And Rob, I know you've done a little bit of research around sales. What are what are you finding?
2: So we just heard that retail sales in May went up 18% over the month before, which isn't surprising because most people in April were closed. And it's considered one of the biggest uh, one-month rebounds in history. I don't think most jewelers are, let's say, up uh, 18% over the year before. I think most jewelers are, you know, what I'm hearing is it's better than expected. They're close to what they were or they're not exactly at where they were, but they're close enough. And I think most are reasonably happy. And, you know, and it makes a certain amount of sense because if you, you think there is a certain pent-up demand that people have not been buying jewelry for at least a month and a half or two months, you know, a lot of people have been staying home. And I guess the question is, is this just a blip? You know, how long will this go on? One of the most interesting stats I've found recently, so about 40 million people lost their jobs in the last couple of months, which is an amazing Mm. number. And yet personal income is up, which is really, it's unusual, right? Because a lot of people losing their jobs, usually personal income goes down, but because of things like the stimulus checks, things like that extra $600 added to unemployment, people have actually, are at, you know, either the same or better income levels than they were before. So there is a certain amount of government financed purchasing power. I think the question is what's going to happen when all that ends, if it does end at the end of July. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of interesting stats I saw that a lot of the fall in economic activity has been from rich consumers, right? A lot of the decrease in the economy is because wealthy consumers are not spending as much as they were. So you ask, why aren't they? Well, because what do rich people tend to spend money on? They tend to go out, they tend to travel, they go to nice restaurants, and they haven't had a chance to do that. One interesting stat I found is 20 to 30% of luxury industry revenues are generated by people traveling. So when people travel, they tend to go to these fancy places and buy all sorts of fancy stuff. And in particular, I mean, one of the biggest drivers of the luxury industry is Chinese consumers. I think it's about a third of luxury purchases is from Chinese consumers, and they mostly spend that overseas. And of course, now they're all staying home, and they're tending to spend all that money in their home countries. There's also a huge decline in what they call the near affluent. And these people have pretty much reduced their spending. And they're a lot of the basis of the luxury market because these are people who aren't rich, but kind of want to look like they're rich. Which is, you know, a lot of the big luxury brands basically depend on, you know, like nouveau riche kind of people with something to prove. Yeah, aspirational. And now this group is in danger of losing their jobs, they're in danger of losing part of their incomes. So their spending power is definitely decreased.
1: Well so there's a lot going on here because there's Chinese consumers who are staying home in China obviously. Although I think that for our audience that's a little less relevant. I mean I think if you're a Place Vendome jeweler or you know you're in Zurich and you're used to welcoming a horde of tourists on a bus, you're taking a huge hit. But I think for most of our listeners There was a wave of Chinese tourists a few years ago in big cities, San Francisco, New York, L.A., obviously, but less so. I think that's lessened over the years anyway. But that is the worry, really, because I think for a lot of our listeners, a lot of our readers, it's that $5,000 purchase that may be in jeopardy now.
2: The other weird thing is that in America right now, it's very uneven as far as who's open and who's not open and right now new york and new jersey where i am is just beginning to reopen and i think california is in stage 2 or stage 3 correct
1: 2 i think getting to 3 yeah
2: and then there's some states that are just in stage we don't care we're just like we're we're opening we're doing it and i think you know those places are obviously doing okay But what's scary, and this probably shouldn't be a huge surprise to people, you're seeing an increase in COVID cases, and you wonder how long it's going to last, that at some point, if the standard trajectory of this disease, which is this exponential spread, continues, will these places just shut down either by government edict or because people are scared to go out and employees don't want to go to the door and you can't run a city with a pandemic it just doesn't work correct
1: i fear that this genie is not going back into that bottle anytime soon anywhere i think for retailers you know there are a couple of takeaways or you know very important lessons from the last few months which is that if you don't have your digital side up and running and you don't have a robust way to engage with clients online through your website through a chat function through Zoom auctions that retailers are doing, through Instagram Live, then you better get there, ASAP. Certainly e-commerce, those of you who are equipped and can offer customers choice, which I think is the number one lesson here. Some people are okay coming into stores, and jewelers aren't the most crowded retail arenas out there. I mean, I think if you can very, very much limit the number of people in a store and that everybody's masked, I firmly believe indoors, in enclosed spaces, you need to be wearing masks. And if you can limit that, if you can have a by appointment only system, you're probably okay. But make sure that you get online with these customers beforehand so that if they're interested in a gift scenario, that you show them what you've got online on a Zoom call, on a FaceTime, on a whatever and that when they come in, it's short, it's sweet, it's vetted, it's curated, and off they go. And it's a 10-minute presentation, so they can choose the one piece they want out of the four they identified they liked when you showed them online. And also demanding that your customers wear masks. I'm sorry, I don't think there's a, a good argument for not wearing masks.
2: The whole anti-mask thing is a little weird to me. Agreed. I think it's interesting. I mean, the whole idea of people going to an appointment at a Zales or an appointment at a Jared or a K. Is relatively new, but I think this is something we're seeing a lot. It's a very different kind of model than just kind of, hey, here's the mall store I'm walking in.
1: It is. It is. But I think more people are getting used to that. I mean, in this way that nobody shopped for groceries online before March, or maybe a very small handful of people. I mean, you know, we've sort of grown in terms of years of digital engagement in the span of a few months. I mean, in the luxury space, in the luxury watch industry, earlier this month, Hublot and Ulysse Nardin both launched direct-to-e-commerce websites. I mean, you know, in any other industry, that wouldn't be news. I'd be like, are we in 2010? But for the jewelry and watch industry, and especially those high-end watch brands, have been super reluctant to go online, partly because they haven't wanted to upset their distribution channels and their wholesale partners, but partly because they cling to this idea that luxury is a sensory experience. I'm not saying that touch and feel isn't important, but is in this era, I think we are all adapting and figuring out ways to give people kind of an sats experience, whether that's through, you know, even some brands have done augmented reality filters. Grand Seiko, together with Watches of Switzerland, a big UK-based retailer that also owns Mayers here in the States and has a few Watches of Switzerland stores in New York and Vegas they put out a new watch, a collaborative timepiece in May. And part of that launch was a augmented reality filter that you just go to Grand Seiko's Instagram, you click this little icon and you can project a hologram of the watch onto your wrist and you can take photos of it and you can size it up or down so you can make sure to get the size appropriate for your own wrist. And then you can share that wrist shot on social media. So I think if you're thinking in innovative directions and you're savvy, there are a lot of things you can do, a lot, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, luxury is a very psychologically driven industry. And I think that's one of the things that the luxury brands are struggling with is how do you recreate that experience in somebody's living room or bedroom or whatever? You know, what's interesting is that, you know, for a long time, there was all this talk about experiential retail that people would go and there would be concerts and there would be fun things to do. And now I think that model will still be valid going forward, but it's not really suited for this particular time when everybody's sitting at home and people don't want to cluster together.
1: Right. You know, one way to do this, and I spoke to Greg Simonian, who's the president of West Time, which is a high end watch store here in Los Angeles. They did something in May, which a lot of people are doing. I'm not going to say this is groundbreaking, but they basically had a Zoom happy hour with like 30 clients they invited. It was with Breitling, and they were basically introducing the novelties. And so West Time invited 30 of their clients, they contacted a local distiller. They put together a cocktail-making kit on how to make the perfect old-fashioned. They hand-delivered it to all 30 people that responded. Everybody came except one person who apparently fell asleep and was super apologetic about missing out on the Zoom. And then they had a mixologist on the Zoom show them how to make the perfect old-fashioned and were there with the watches, putting them on and trying them on and showing them and talking through what they liked about each introduction. And they had a great response. And I think, well, that's a really wonderful way of, you know, giving people an experience that doesn't involve them leaving their house.
2: Yeah. And I think what's particularly cool about that aspect of it is it was invite only. It's not like any person can go on YouTube that, you know, you would watch this person and you could interact with this person. So there was that air of specialness and exclusivity.
1: It's different. I sometimes worry that, have you ever seen Wally?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I sometimes worry we are sort of moving to a future where we're all just going to be in pods and we're all kind of fat, round people that never leave and just everything we do is virtual. Like, I don't want that to be our future. But I think there is some aspect of, you know, that we don't have to do everything outside anymore. There are ways to combine the physical and the virtual in an elegant way.
2: And I think the question is, once this is over will that become permanent for people? I agree with you, I hope it's not. I mean, I think it's great that we have it because we have no other options right now. But the question is when we do have the option to go to the store, to have the nice experience and how much of the old habits will be resurrected? I think people are gonna wanna still hang out with each other, I I really believe that. I, I think you go a little stir crazy doing this all day. I'm hopeful.
0: If you're a fan of podcasts, you know that listener reviews is what helps make them possible. Help spread the word. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Jeweler District on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And now back to the show.
1: I guess my best hope is that we'll still retain some of these online virtual gatherings. But of course, I think we've all realized how much you know. I, Mark Smells are our publisher noted in our June issue that, you know, it only takes you not being able to go to trade shows to realize how much you actually miss
2: them. I've heard a lot of people say like, wow, I really miss trade shows, you know, which is not something you hear a lot.
1: Right. Like, you know, Vegas, I think all of us may have like a love-hate relationship. It's a lot of work. It's Vegas, whether you love it or hate it. But I really, really missed being at JCK this year. And I know I'm not alone. So, you know, come 2021, that is going to be the best party any of us have ever been to.
2: Yeah. And I guess that's the question long-term. I mean, even though I always believe there's nothing like meeting somebody face-to-face and, you know, especially with companies and working from home, the money savings is huge for them. So it's like, if you can just chat with somebody over video chat, will they still want people to travel? And will they want everybody working from home now that it's, for a lot of us, we've proven we can now do it for months, really.
1: I feel like if I work in commercial real estate, I'd be very worried about my future because I do think companies are going to slash their office spaces because they have realized all this. And I think, you know, I've worked from home for well over a decade, coming on 15 years and it's great. But, you know, some people aren't like that. Some people have a lot of kids in the house and need to get out before they can actually focus. So I think, again, choice.
2: And I mean, getting back to jewelry, I just actually spoke to the chief digital officer at Signet. And he was talking about what they're doing with virtual chats. That's become a kind of an important part of the website. And what's always been interesting about jewelry, if you look at something like Zappos, if you have a nice pair of shoes that you like, you'll just keep buying them over and over again. But jewelry is always very different. It's not that standardized. So it's always been a little more difficult to sell online. And you do want to see the piece and you want to see what it looks like. The other thing is that people like to be walked through the experience. And, you know, virtual help is good. I'm not I'm not against virtual help, but I do think people will want the in-person help.
1: Or at least a chat where there's an actual person on the other end. You know, you're okay with a bot when you're paying $15 for whatever. But like if you're spending a couple hundred or a couple thousand or more, you know, yeah. Equipping your website with a chat function that then goes to a dedicated salesperson who is sort of agreed to be on call. But yeah, I do think like this idea of being digital and being engaged. I mean, again, it's combination of human and digital is super successful and really surprisingly so for many of them.
2: Yeah. I mean, you just like I think, you know, another really interesting thing, which I wanted to discuss is that Christie's is going to be selling a 28.86 carat diamond worth over a million dollars by auction online. And I think that will be potentially significant if people are willing to buy that value diamond via Christie's online. And you know, people have bought million dollar diamonds online. It has happened. But I think that would definitely be a step up in how people are looking at these things and what people are willing to do. A
1: lot of the auction houses have actually seen their, certainly their digital sales just
2: spike entirely. Because so. they have no other sales, so of course. So what was the story with Patek Philippe? They were selling online for the first time ever, and they I guess they, you said they stopped?
1: Yeah, so Patek Philippe briefly, after the start of the pandemic, allowed its authorized dealers to sell online for the first time ever. And it was big news because it felt like you know, this sort of member of the old guard doing something so radical. And then when I went back to them to confirm whether that was still happening, I was told that when their factory reopened in Geneva on April 27th, that they put an end to that practice. So it was maybe a month long experiment. And I think the upshot of that is, A, that that's interesting, but even more interesting is that they just stopped it after a month. And like their cohorts in the sought after watch space, you know, they've got really enviable problem, which is that they don't need to sell online. (laughs) You know, they have scarcity issues anyway. So to open up sales online would just increase those.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, if you think a lot of these brands had, you know, a huge majority of their points of sale just closed, right? They couldn't sell anything. So it's interesting that they were still very skittish about selling online. I mean, I understand the idea that, oh, it cheapens it and that maybe in normal times you wouldn't necessarily do it. But if most people can't buy your product anywhere and you're selling next to nothing, you would think that would be something like, okay, well, maybe we'll just give this a shot just for a brief moment. And you know, certainly there's also an argument to be made that they would wanna do it just to keep their retailers in business. I can understand preferring in store. I certainly understand that they want the face-to-face, they want the cachet, I understand all that. But when your stores are all closed, then I think you have to really rethink You know, we do have tools that perhaps we didn't have 15 years ago if we had this thing. So it has made kind of surviving it a little bit easier, but people have to obviously take advantage of the tools.
1: Yeah. I mean, there'll be winners and losers as there are with every crisis.
2: Yeah. I mean, if something good comes out of this, I really do hope, especially, you know, independent retailers are the backbone of JCK and we believe in independent retailers and I really hope people understand how valuable things like restaurants, just local stores and things like jewelers, I hope people understand how important they are to the different communities across America. And it's just so important that people recognize that these local businesses are really what make cities like New York and Los Angeles fun, exciting places to live.
0: Thank you for listening to The Jewelry District. I'm Katie Clifford, co-producer alongside Kathy Passero. Our editor is Olivia Briley. If you like what you've heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you may listen. We hope you join us next time on The Jewelry District by JCK, sponsored by Jewelers Mutual.